The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. We are still in the midst of Secondhand September, an initiative run by Oxfam Ireland that is encouraging people to wear pre-loved clothes in the hope of lowering landfill waste. Well, my first guest this morning did something a bit different when it comes to sustainability and clothing. Leah Hines is a journalist and an author. You can check out her articles on independent.ie and Life magazines. She profiles a lot of Irish women a lot of the time with just amazing, brave and sometimes harrowing stories to tell. But anyway, Leah is here to talk about something completely different. And that is the year that she stopped buying clothes. And she joins me this morning. You're very welcome, Leah, to the Sunday Grill. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me, Royal. Now, um, we you're a former fashion buyer and a fashion writer. So I'm assuming that mm. you just love clothes, do you? I do. And I also have a lot of clothes um, okay. because of those two careers. I suppose I was always around clothes. Did you get freebies? Obviously buying. Like like any fashion press, you get a, a, a certain amount of freebies. Mm. But I mean, you wouldn't be kind of swamped by it. But I think what, what was more the problem was when you're in the shops pulling, say, for shoots or you're buying clothes as a buyer, you're just around them and the temptation is there so much more. So what I found when I, I, I gave up for a year and documented it in a column, a monthly column in life called A Year of Living Lightly, one of the things I really noticed was I because a lot of it was in lockdown, I wasn't around the shops. Mm. I wouldn't be a big online buyer because mm-hmm. I'm terrible at sending things back. So I oh, just know, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just not being around, and I think that's why I had built up so many clothes and realized I don't need to shop because the first time I went into the shops in during that 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 year, I went in to buy a present for a friend, and without thinking, I bought a pair of earrings that okay. I had my, myself and lost. Came home, sent a picture to the girls on WhatsApp, going, got the present, got one for me, and they came back and said, "Are you not not shopping for a year?" And I literally completely forgotten. So, <laughs> but isn't that a little bit Leah, like when you give up like chocolate for uh, length? and you just eat mint feasts all the time. <laughs> you know, it's not really chocolate. That earrings exactly. aren't really close. Didn't really think of it. But like, <laughs> so I think just being around um, clothes a lot, you know, meant, yes, I had a fairly extensive collection and I could, you know, happily never shop again and wouldn't go, uh, wouldn't, you know, would be fine, would be kitted out. But what kind of inspired me to pitch it to my editor in the first place was, you mentioned sustainability there and I wish I could say that it was really lofty mm. ideals, but it really, it was and it was much more, it was about finances mm-hmm. and anxiety. And I noticed that I had got into this kind of cycle. Well, it wasn't that I was buying tons, you know, it wouldn't be every week doing kind of a haul or anything like that. But it was, I would maybe get into a really um, kind of intense work cycle as anyone who's kind of self-employed would probably mm-hmm. recognise. And as an almost treat at the end, I would buy you know, I would buy myself something and it had kind of started in a not so bad way. I had I went through a separation about five years ago mm-hmm. and I noticed after about the first six months of wearing just like black and gym gear and just whatever was there and really clothes being kind of more like armor. I gradually started getting back into more like, you know, get enjoying clothes again. And as mm. you said, it started, you know, I do love clothes. That is, you know, where a lot of my career has been in, in fashion. And so at the start, it was like, I'll buy myself a few like really colorful dresses. I remember in the January sales, buying them and them arriving and it was like color therapy. So it had kind of started out like that, but I knew it had come to the place where it's a bit more mindless. It was just that, again, like I say, that treat mentality where I'd get, buy the thing and get that hit, but then very quickly would feel an underlying anxiety because I didn't want to be spending money. You know, I'm self-employed, mm. I'm a single parent, you know, there are financial situation that goes with that and, and the actual spending. And the second thing was like we, the first column in life, um, you know, was a run with a load of selfies of me 
wearing, I <laughs> add more than when we counted 40 floral dresses, which is obviously wow. ridiculous and more dresses than any one person needs. And so once I stopped and took stock of what I actually owned, you know, it was like, I, like I said, I could never shop again and be fine. And that's when I suppose the sustainability angle really kicked in. And one of the most common things people say to me in there is, is it really hard? And I said, no, it's not hard at all. Not hard at all. Because when you, you know, when you stop and realize how much you own, it's, you know, especially like I say, my background of buying and that kind of thing, you kind of go. And also I realized I was kind of buying the same thing again and yeah, again. 40 floral dresses. And th- 40 floral dresses, do you know? And and that was the the second big realization was that I wasn't I was buying out of want rather than need, which is probably really obvious to most people, but you know, obviously I had strayed from the sensible. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was buying clothes like my day-to-day life is doing the school run, being at my desk, maybe going in to meet someone for an interview, you know, but I, I don't need like I need practical, comfortable mm. clothes. And like at the end of the year, I was so clear on if I was going to buy something, what I wanted. I had no comfortable trousers. I was, you know, really obvious things. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I realized really quickly what I'm buying is not actually really what's suitable for my life. I'm buying like, like a magpie. Like there's a shiny thing. Oh yeah, I like that, that is me. Totally. And I'm more yeah, an yeah, online yeah. shopper, but like you, I don't send things mm. back, which is ridiculous. Mm. So this was Febu- mm. February 2020. Is that right? Mm. So did that yeah make it easier because we obviously hit COVID in March and lockdowns so you had no events to go to did Did that make it easier that you weren't a wedding guest or you weren't a uh, you didn't have to go to any awards ceremonies or balls or anything. Well, I definitely wouldn't have been stuck for anything okay. if I did give them the 40-something floral dresses. You know, I could have dressed the entire wedding well, you, probably. You prob- no, and you no could no have problem. dressed it up with those earrings that you bought. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. No, we would have been fine. But it definitely made it, it made it, it clarified like what, you know, okay, lockdown shut down a lot of our lives but it wouldn't have been you know, like I say, my day-to-day life, you know, I have a, a, I have a daughter who's eight, I'm not, you know, like my life is very kind of, I suppose, grounded or, you know, practical. Mm. And so I I kind of, it, it did, it did make me realize I don't need any of this, this kind of stuff that I'm buying. Um, and yeah, it did make it easier, like I was saying earlier, just in the sense of not being in the shops, you know, where you're like, oh, it's only 30 quid, I'll get that. And mm. you just do that little, you know, um, that little kind of purchase. And then it all builds up. And like I say, you're left with that kind of, underlying anxiety I also found and this is probably very reductive you know obviously you know but there there was a, a kind of a gender aspect that I noticed and like obviously not every woman shops like this and not every man shops like this, but I would look at my say my dad and my boyfriend and they the way I could, could describe this it was like they were shopping like they're playing Tetris mm-hmm. like everything in their wardrobe fitted together mm-hmm. so it'd be like I've got the jeans that fit with the t-shirt and the shirt and I've got the good blazer and I've got the nice jumper and whatever and if I've worn that out I then replace that whereas like I said a minute ago I was more like a magpie like look at that shiny thing and mm-hmm. you know but do I have a link to go with it no it doesn't matter do I need it no it doesn't matter I wouldn't be thinking about that mm-hmm. and you know, by the end of the year, the thing I really wanted, the two things I really wanted to buy, I didn't, I borrowed was a wetsuit because okay. we had gone on a piece of thing. And what I did buy at the the first thing was a new pair of slippers because my cat had torn <laughs> my slippers apart in kind of a, you've gone away from three days. Can I dare you. ask you about the wetsuit? Because I find this quite interesting, the, the one-off purchases mm. that you might decide to go paddleboarding or you might think that something is your new hobby. Like I have a dry robe and I use it. I don't use it like I'm mm. not a winter swimmer so I'm not using it loads 
So mm. have you a lot of those kind of one offs? I might that might have become something in my life, but it's not. But I'll hold on to it. No, I, I don't really. Okay. And what I, I think what, what that taught me, like I really wanted the wetsuit because, mm. you know, you're like you want the right one for you. But I borrowed it from a friend and it was grand. And there like I didn't become a sea, a regular sea swimmer, mm. like shocking nobody. And so I, you know, I, I used it that one time and I didn't I hadn't spent the money on it. What I did buy the last thing I bought before I stopped was a pair of hiking boots okay. um, and I wore them practically every day mm-hmm. bar like the really hot summer days. So. I, and I, I can see that now in, in if I do by now, it totally changed my kind of how I see what I need. Mm. So I would be much more like, you know, I want like a good raincoat that's long enough that it will hopefully get to my knee. You know, yes. I'm much more aware of like, what do I need rather than kind of, you know, like I would have been more kind of buying like the frothy stuff mm-hmm. that like. For the buzz. You know. Is, and, and do you get your buzz anywhere exactly. else then or did you find like, because I, you know, I love, you know, the unboxing if someone sends me something or I see something in the shops that I really want. That only lasts about 10 or 15 minutes, really. Mm-hmm. Did you find you had to kind of concentrate getting yeah. that some else. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like one of the things, the final column in life was about the things I'd learned. And I, one of the points in that was nothing beats newness. So like Mm. this idea of like shopping your wardrobe, like I didn't find that exciting Mm. at all. And I find that phrase slightly nonsensical that we've had to like dress up the basic fact of wearing our own clothes. Like that's, you know, like that, that has to be kind of a novelty. Mm -hmm. So definitely but what so what I found there was swap swapping with friends. Oh yes. Is you know, and you just get like exactly like you say, you get that hit. Uh-huh. Because I interviewed a fashion psychologist about it and she she was saying like that that hit of buy when you buy it, that's the peak of enjoyment with your clothes. It's not when you get it home and and wear it. Like that is where you get the most enjoyment mm-hmm. from a purchase. So there is something in that, but I found definitely I also found what I noticed was that the clothes and maybe this was something to do with being in COVID and feeling so cut off from people. The clothes I especially valued were things that had personal meaning. Like I would have a good few of my my gran and my granny, like both sides, their cardigans and you know, old knit pieces that mm-hmm. they would have left or jewellery or like I've an old khaki jacket of my dad's that I borrowed, stole from him. And, mm-hmm. you know, pieces that were given to me like by somebody or that were previously owned, they really... um they they were the things I was kind of so it's like a different it's it's more like um what is it like like a low GI diet rather than the sugar hit of just <laughs> buying something new it's a different kind of appreciation and enjoyment out of your stuff that you know and that was the other thing that like I found you know our house is not huge storage is not plentiful and I came to realize how str- and this is a very privileged whinge to be able to make but stuff is very stressful oh, and I, I realised yeah, how I totally do you know that. what I mean mm-hmm. and and I would uh, uh, Emma Gleeson's book Stuff Happens was a fantastic kind of insight into understanding all of that and I would really recommend it to anyone and so I suppose those kind of like slower like slowing down examining your habits they kind of help again with getting off that treadmill of like the, that quick hit that it is appealing you know there is nothing like the new outfit and the mm-hmm. new look and you know but I think if you can keep pulling yourself back into and then again like I did start um, I, I was over the year really started looking in charity shops for my daughter um, for her stuff and that that is a different, that's a real kind of satisfying purchase, okay. you know, like and I got I was her winter coat. I going to ask you that actually, because you mm. said that the start, at the start it wasn't about sustainability for you. Is it in any way about mm. sustainability now for you? 
Oh, it very quickly became okay. like I just I suppose I'd hate to kind of there's so many people who are out there doing like proper work and who know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I really like could not claim to, you know, any credit in that area. But absolutely like the minute I stopped, like I was saying earlier, and kind of went oh God, I, I own so much, like this is obscene to buy any, you know, more. And obviously this, everyone does their own thing. That's no judgment to anyone else, but just for me personally. And I suppose what I, what I really felt with my daughter was trying to kind of teach her habits more of like, what do you need rather than, you know, again, just that want and that kind of oh, completely. like, and it's you hard know, when you're that bye, age bye, bye. And, and with toys as well I'm, I'm very conscious of the yeah. plastic that comes in toys too, but exactly, it's hard to say exactly. that when they're eight, isn't it? <laughs> it is it is but it is it is even to make them aware of yes, it you know is definitely. is so helpful and and it, like it's lovely to like I mean I suppose when you're especially for children because with children you're you are already kind of a lot of is you're buying out of need rather mm-hmm. than want you know because they're changing like we tend to get to a certain size at a certain point and mm-hmm. don't change that much you know whereas kids you are I suppose you're already buying in a sense out of need rather than want so you can really lean into that but I think what you have to kind of get your head around with charity shops and you know obviously secondhand September you kind of need to plan ahead so like I remember talking to Elaine Butler who's an amazing website living lightly in Ireland and she has so many resources on that and she hasn't bought anything and I think about two years for her kids. She okay. she had to go in and buy um, shorts for her son. And she was making the point, like, you need to be kind of thinking ahead. So, like, you can, it's not like you can go in in September and there'll be all the winter clothes there. You know, obviously, it's it's what's there. Uh-huh. And if you see something, you get it. So, like, I saw a winter coat from my daughter in um, one of the Irish Cancer Society shops. It was a gap, perfect condition, four Perfection. euro. Mm-hmm. And I bought it there. And I suppose you're thinking, okay, what size will they be? So, there's that that's the kind of challenge but like that can be quite enjoyable oh you know that I mean? would that definitely give me a buzz as well yeah that real satisfaction <laughs> that you're so organised exactly yeah. yeah exactly the thrill of the hunt kind totally. of totally I love the thrill well look it's lovely to talk to you you're a year almost a year out of your year of not buying clothes so mm. you're buying less now I presume are you or anything at all Way for yourself okay. Way, yeah like I'd say like I was saying earlier, I'm definitely much more practical in what mm-hmm. I buy. Like I'd really consider it, but I can so see that the old habits are there and I could so easily fall back into them. And so I kind of try to just, you know, unless it's something I really need and I can't mm. borrow or whatever, I kind of tried because I think I'm just not somebody who can be like, I'll just buy like one incredibly you know, good hand yes. knit jumper once, yeah. you know what I mean? I could just see how quickly. Oh, totally. And again, when I, you know, I could fall into those habits again very, very quickly. And it makes me, and I, the same feeling of like, oh, I'll just treat myself. And now I feel anxious and I'm really uncomfortable with this. Yes. So and I think, it's a whole other conversation, but we get hooked in very, very quickly, don't we? There's exactly, so much exactly. going on, social media, well, it's television. Like it's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're being sold at the entire time. And I suppose like one of the starting points of all of this was my, I remember my mum saying to me, so she was self-employed when we were kids mm-hmm. and she would say anytime she wanted to buy something she would think okay well that's she's a piano teacher so she'd be like that's three hours away from my kids for that and her priority at that time we were very little was to spend as much time with us and it sounds quite obvious but it was so that was so that was such a mindset switch for me to be like okay I only have a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and I really want to spend time with my daughter and I really want to have you know and so just that realisation of like, OK, I might be saying to myself, it's only 40 quid. It's only blah, blah, blah. It's the same as a takeaway. You know, all the things you kind of say. Mm-hmm. But like what's more most valuable to me is my time. Yeah. And 
that that I find a really helpful thing to come back to of just like yeah it's only this and yeah you've had a busy week and whatever but like you know you're you're chipping away at your own time exactly. basically every exactly. time Awesome, great points there. And people, of course, can see your articles if they search your name on Google. You're on independent.ie, of course. Yeah, exactly. They're all under, I think, a year of living life lightly on independent.ie. A year living lightly. And Leah is on Instagram as well. She is Leah Hines, but it's L-I-A-D-A-N. Isn't that right? That's it, Leah Don Hines. Leah yeah, Don Hines. Exactly. But we call you Leah, don't yeah. we? I just haven't been calling you Leah That's randomly correct. out of the <laughs> out of the air, have I? <laughs> no, Leah's absolutely fine. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much for talking to me this My morning, pleasure. Leah, thank and you so about much. that year living lightly. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Is the big day. Beats the wedding day kicks off at 12 o'clock at the Southeast Technological University Arena in Corriganore, just outside Washford City. It's the Southeast landmark wedding event with thousands of brides and grooms passing through our venues since 2013. The woman behind it all since 2013 is Siobhan Flynn. If a wedding day event was an actual wedding, Siobhan would be our chief bridesmaid and our wedding planner all rolled into one. And you'll hear from her voice that she has been all those things and more over the last few weeks. She is at the Southeast Technological Arena right now, making sure everything is ready before doors open at 12 o'clock. And she's taken five minutes off to talk to us here on the Sunday Grill. Hello. Hey, Orla, as you can hear, I'm like Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> My voice is nearly broken at this stage. I hope it lasts till the day is over. So this really is like the your own wedding almost, you know, everything has been building up towards this, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Asher, I, I can't wait for the the couples to come through the door, the excitement. I don't know if it's my own wedding, but maybe my daughter's wedding yeah. is where the anticipation <laughs> is at the level of stress. That's that a lot now? of anticipation. Now, this has yeah. been, the wedding day has been, you know, such a massive event since 2013 here on Beat. But of course, the COVID pandemic curtailed everything. So this is the first time that it's been back in what, two years at this stage? Yeah, so we basically, uh, the week before the country closed down with COVID, like we were running around talking about hand sanitizers uh, at the last event in March and um, in 2020, 2020, yeah. 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 And uh, we were like, oh, you know, should we, you know, get hand sanitizers? So do we, what's this going on? And literally then a week later, the country completely closed down. So this is, yeah, the first, the wedding day back in-person event uh, since COVID, which it's really exciting um, to meet, be meeting everyone again. It's, oh, it's I can been imagine. Lovely. And I really see with like makeup artists and hairdressers that I follow online that really weddings are all guns blazing now, aren't they? People are back and they want to do it right. But they want to do it right and they want to do it bigger and better than ever I think you know if couples wanted a small wedding COVID ha- was actually a lovely excuse yeah. <laughs> for them if they mm-hmm. wanted because they could do the more intimate without pressures of having to have let's say a big huge wedding but now it seems the appetite is far the bigger the better and that's the way it seems to be going. Okay so let's talk about some of the things that people are going to see at the wedding day today in Waterford in the arena uh, just outside Waterford City like there's so much going on, but like you've, you know, mini pubs and, you know, you've someone who'll show you how to to dress for lingerie on the day. Tell us about the stuff that's going on. 
Yeah, so we have uh, the Lady Slip um, out there in Tremor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be having a lovely chat with Sandra um, later today on stage uh, during one of the fashion shows in relation. Just, and it's for anyone going to, well, any female probably mm-hmm. going to a wedding, that um, it's not just obviously, it's just how clothes fit you better mm-hmm. and how your shape can look better, how something can skim over your body a little bit better with the correct fitting underwear. Mm-hmm. So really looking forward to seeing what, what what's on offering with that today. And then, yeah, we have a, a, a Shabina pub from Event Wrench, um, which is really cool that you can actually hire for your venue if you wanted to have a marquee venue or whatever you were doing it in your in your garden at home that you can actually hire a pub and it's actually like a little pub there and they'll have the kegs and the pulling at the pints Brilliant. and all the rest which is lovely as well lovely. yeah yeah and any other new stuff new trends coming in um that you've seen new yeah grazing tables they seem to oh, be yeah, that's a huge big thing. that's a real pandemic uh, thing as well thing. isn't it isn't it? Yeah, all the lovely cheeses and all the rest. So we have a fabulous company from Waterford called Ease and Love. And uh, they, they'll be here today with uh, their fabulous grazing table. I don't know how I haven't eaten half of it yet. <laughs> running by trying to not look at it because it looks amazing. Oh, I can imagine. Again, yeah, yeah, no, it's lovely. And that's something a little bit different. And then we have our traditionals. We have the sparkling dance floors. You know, the large Mr. and Mr. Yes. Mr. and Mr. Signs. We mm-hmm. have, yeah, the initials. We have both of photo boots again you know we have um selfie mirrors uh you know uh thrones that people can sit in if they want Ooh, to get married love a throne. Throne. yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah. can see you there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just for me McQueen. not for my just partner for <laughs> no none for him it's no. too well yeah he'll be grand <laughs> he'll be grand so look yeah there is the traditional things and then obviously um church the church the decor yeah. of churches has become Lovely. a big thing again huge and we have um the flower pot from wexford and she has some amazing stuff here today and then we have a beautiful the bar at the borough blooms it's a beautiful they're they're um wild flowers fresh oh, wild flowers which is something very different yeah. on offering as well. Lovely. Usually with jewellers. We have loads here today that, uh, you know, people can have a look through. And a great fashion show um, for every facet of the bridal party and guests, really. You've kind of covered everyone, haven't you? We have, we have. We obviously have the bridal end mm-hmm. for uh, my dress and uh, we also have Bijou Bridal. Um, we have a lovely new fashion house, uh, Alicia and Chloe. Yes. I know she was on with you she on the was. Sunday Grill there a couple of weeks ago. Stuff is amazing. Oh, and we have, yeah, gorgeous, isn't it? And uh, Devereaux's menswear, uh, they have the wedding rooms down there in Dungarvan. So it's for the gents as well. We'll have some fabulous Brilliant. stuff there as well. All things covered for today on the wedding day, which uh, the doors open up at 12 o'clock today at the Southeast Technological University Arena in Carganore, just outside of Washford City. You know Google Maps will bring you there. But if you want more details, you can check out the website. It's theweddingday.ie. Siobhan, I'm going to let you go because I know you're really busy and you're going to really, Thanks, you're going to really deserve the treat for yourself later on. Get one of those buns oh, from Buns and Roses for yourself. Thanks a million for talking. Absolutely. Thanks a million. Take care. Bye. 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 The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.
It's a Sunday morning. That means you are listening to the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102 and 03. And let's talk about maths. Yes, I mean, maths, the subject, or as Americans like to say, math. And uh, one of the success stories from out of the pandemic is maths and breakthrough maths. It's an online maths school founded in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And TJ Hegarty is the founder and he joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell us more about breakthrough maths or math. Why do Americans say math, do you think? <laughs> That's your first question. I have no idea TJ. why Americans say math. It's an odd one, isn't it? Like it let, is let me maths. just ask every American I know why, why do you call it math? I'd say they wouldn't know the answer to that either, TJ, to tell you the truth. But like maths, it's mathematics, it's a plural thing. There's lots of sums mm. in the world. So, yeah, I don't think it's mathematic. Anyway, how are you? You're mm. very welcome to the Sunday Grill. Flying it. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff. There's always a bit of an intake of breath, or was. In my school, if someone was doing honours maths, it was a bit of a ooh moment in the leaving search. You could, there was always talk about dropping down to ordinary maths because it was so difficult. Is that still true? Is our, our maths or is maths? I'm very confused by the maths and the math now. Is it still, you know, is that a bit of folklore or can we break it down? So... Like, is there still the stigma around mm. the, yeah. the perception of higher level math being like rocket science kind yeah, of thing? Is that it. what you're trying to say? Um, like, there is not more and more people are doing maths now in at higher level and leaving search because of the 25 extra points okay. and the CEO points race. So it's really, it's, and even the same in the UK as well. Uh, I read a stat the other week that even for A-level choices in the year 2000, that maths was fourth choice for A-level subjects. And now it's gone clearly number one by far and away. So it's a kind of a global phenomenon. And the perception of maths is changing. Okay. Because it is more and more and more important in the workplace. Okay. Explain and that to me because people always say everyday life is about maths. And yet I don't get that at all, you know? They always, yeah, they always say it, um, but like, there it is, because everyday life is problem solving. And in okay. your job, you've got a problem solve on a daily brace, basis, okay. and my job is problem solving. So it's maths is just a way of looking at things. Honestly, that's that's why it's so different to English, geography, French, whatever. It's just a way of looking at things. It's problem solving. In the morning, I could get, if you had to study for a geography test, you'd take a week and you'd nail all your what you need to know. Mm-hmm. You just wrote learn it. Mm-hmm. You'd get through it. But if I give you a maths test in a week, oh, it's, a comp- you, it's almost impossible to do. You can't wrote learn maths in a week, no, can you? definitely not. No. No. You can't. So does that mean that and it needs to click with you? Do you get me? Time. Okay. Time, okay. Practice, because to practice, me, it's very time. abstract and, you know, I'm quite a creative person. So that makes me think I'm not good at maths, you know. It still hasn't clicked with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no click moment. Honestly, okay. like there's no click moment. It's just continuous practice, spotting themes, spotting processes, spotting ways of doing things. That's, okay. that's life in, in respect and some things as well. The same with a job. When you come in to start a job, it doesn't click straight away. It takes time and there's never a moment like, yeah, I have everything perfect and there's no challenge I won't be able to do. Maths is continuously about challenges and way, and learning a mindset to problem solve. Okay. So that's what maths is about. When yeah. TJ, and we'll talk about how all this started in a, min- in a minute, but I, I'm intrigued by the whole maths curriculum. Because, you know, when we go to primary school, we learn our times tables, we learn how to add and 
subtract. Then we start to learn long division. Then we go into first year. We kind of start to learn what trigonometry is. That maths? That's maths, isn't it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When does it start to get diff- more and more difficult? When do you see, even with your students, when they start coming to you? Okay, here's, here's, here's exactly. It's probably the second week in October, uh, about, <laughs> ha- about half six in the evening on Tuesday, and you're in second year in maths. In second <laughs> year? Exactly so happens. what's happening second on the year. second week in October at half six on a Tuesday that suddenly you realise you need some help You, you from suddenly get this. Algebra. <laughs> your teacher gives you... Your teacher gives you uh, four quadratic equations to solve and you're like, oh my <laughs> God, what is this bomb? <laughs> what are That's quadratic what equations? I don't remember those. Yeah, factorizing and you oh, get given that. Oh, yes. And okay. Yeah. It just turns you sour. And then the jobby hits the fan, eh? So <laughs> Yeah, and just panic, panic sets in. Because up to okay. that point, it's generally, it's yeah, people need help with fractions and stuff in other areas like that. And once you hit algebra, then the whole thing gets complex because it's just a different way. There's A's, B's, C's, Z's, I's, all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's what happens. And when you say maths (laughs) is in everyday life, is algebra in everyday life? You know? Yeah, it's quite it absolutely abstract. is. It is. Yeah, it absolutely okay. is. Yeah, it's just a number. It's a random number. It is. I know it's hard to see it, and I didn't really understand either until I started kind of getting deeper into maths. Mm. But algebra is actually uh, algebra is problem solving. Okay. Algebra is how you logically go about problem solving. Because if A equals this, then yeah, okay. Yeah. So to put it in context, like you're, I don't know, if like you're a parent and you're paying a mortgage and you've got childcare and you've got this, you've got to weigh up, well, I have this and this and this, and you put your knowns together to try and fi- find a solution. It's the same in algebra. A, B, C's, they're unknowns until you begin to solve them and find, oh yeah, this is missing. I need to add this in. That's that's what algebra is. Wow. Hey, you've just made it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And that's why <laughs> that's why you are the man behind Breakthrough Maths, obviously. Yeah. Now, this started in the pandemic, but it didn't start online to start with, didn't it? Not? And, you, and you were a maths teacher starting out, yeah? Uh, I was teaching maths locally. No, I'm not a maths teacher oh, okay. uh, by profession. I, I actually worked in a complete different form. I was actually a farmer's son and oh. was doing agricultural science in college and worked right. in Kerry Group for a number of years in sales and enjoyed it. But... I was teaching maths all along for my own Leaving Cert afterwards. And okay, and you d- obviously did well online. then in your own Leaving Cert honours maths, I suppose. Yeah, I got 600 points. You uh, got, sorry, sorry, brains, say that again. You got how six, many? Six, 600 points. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of those, Not eh? from brains, from brawn, just from, <laughs> just from hard work. And You flexed it. Yeah. No, I mean it because every one of my members of the family is smarter than me. Long story short. I was teaching kids, kept the notes of teaching kids locally around my my um my village and stuff. And okay. I ended up working with kids of all abilities, from the highest point achievers to the people with dyslexia, dysgraphia and autism, and just began to love it and saw huge results. And I then the pandemic hit and I was beginning to get frustrated in my work. And I just felt there was so much more the world can offer and to do and so much energy to give. And I set this up and I was seeing what other people were doing, teaching maths. I thought they were doing it boringly. I mm-hmm. thought it was dead in the water. Mm-hmm. I thought this is so boring. And people are teaching on Zoom and it was so unengaging. And I was like, no, this can be done so much better. <laughs> and I set the business up. We teach small classes online. I had friends in UCC in Cork who were, who were doing maths and I got them to teach for me. And the thing just kicked Wow. And 
this year we're going to teach a thousand students in a given academic week uh, probably by November. And you started off with how many students? I actually started, I actually never forget, it started in Glanmire on a a wet Saturday in September and it was just me. I had like four desks laid out. I I had six classes running and I think three students showed up. Amazing. And now you're a thousand in <laughs> and a that, week. And that, and that was, and that was a free trial. <laughs> so it was a complete, a complete waste of time. And I loved every second of it because you know what? I was doing it for, for the want of doing mm. it. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it from there And I, I presume kids who are coming for those sort of grinds have a, a real want to understand maths. So they're motivated or are they motivated by their parents sending them to, to these grinds? Absolutely the latter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't blame okay. them either. It's hard. Like, <laughs> like you're second year. Most of our students are younger and it just, it's just causing anxiety and pain. Mm. Look, I break This is the problem at maths, right? It's the kitchen table issue. Mm-hmm. So what happens at the kitchen table? You, you come home and you come from school. You're tired. You're wrecked. You've had a long day. You get your quadratic equations or your fraction questions and you just you're looking at your parents and you're like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And your parents are tired and after a long day and they and they can't do it either. For X knows excuse. They can't do it either. And so you're looking at each other at the table and you have a test Friday and the teacher's giving out to you and there's just tears, tears, tears. Can you picture mm-hmm. that? that mm-hmm. That's oh, I was that soldier. Across the I was that soldier. On a, on a yeah. daily basis. What's currently happening is grind schools or classes are this, this this phenomenon of like loads of notes, exam focused questions, kind of big classes, and we get the grades. That's what the stigma is around mm-hmm. grinds, and mm-hmm. even the word grind itself is like this horrible word. To grind seems hard, and yes. yeah, extra got, work. It's yeah, got, it's got extra work. It sounds terrible. It sounds boring. Screw that. It's about, it's, I was like flipping on its head, make the classes small, teaching the convenience of Zoom and let the kids enjoy maths and let them have a teacher from UCC or UCD or wherever in the country they're from, highly qualified, over 600 points. They look up to them. They're enthusiastic. They're energetic. Kids turn. Boom. That's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very, I'm very blunt in this, in this conversation. I think you need to be blunt. I think you need to be blunt. Because I suppose maths is blunt, isn't it? There's no other way around it. You know, it's either you're right or you're wrong with maths. Yeah? It is. <laughs> but like, right, like, hold up. Like, I'm trying to simplify the whole thing for everything. Okay. Maths is part, maths, maths is more and more and more a part of life. And uh-huh. maths is your opportunity for kids in school now and in school in the upcoming years for progressive careers okay that's the reason we're doing this it's that's why maths has become the most important subject by far and away if not if it wasn't already the people who can who can afford to live in dublin or cork or any of these cities are engineers they're data scientists they're computer scientists okay they're on they're on mathematically based degrees Mm -hmm. and maths that's where maths plays its part so there's a shifting kind of place that's why maths is more more important and secondly COVID was great for education because it brought people online. And if you need extra help, in the same way people need extra help for sports or to get better at guitar, you just need extra help. Zoom and doing extra grinds or support Mm -hmm. is just, it's so normal, so easy and so convenient for these students. Totally. Well, look, if you get to the second week of October, you're 15 or thereabouts, it's 8.30 on Tuesday and you realise you just don't get algebra. TJ is the man to go to. He is breakthrough maths. I'm sure it's not just 15-year-olds, of course, uh, TJ. It's anyone. No, our biggest, our biggest, yeah, it's younger years mainly. Actually, we take oh, some primary okay. scripts. 
fifth class upwards yeah fifth class upwards so it's actually mainly primary school first year second year third years because um it just suits the model convenient easy and really engaging fun teachers and the kids love it good stuff all online breakthroughmaths.com that is tj hegarty thanks a million for joining me this morning tj no problem Laura. appreciate it the sunday grill on beat 102 103 and my next guest on the Sunday Grill this morning will have completed quite a feat today. Ben Banahan is 25. He's from County Tipperary and he spent the past two weeks literally running Britain. He's been running from John O'Groats in Scotland to Land's End in England and he has a big motivation behind doing this. And I talked to him during the week to find out more. So Ben, tell us where you are right now. Uh, so I'm in Oakhampton at the moment. It's um, down in the south of England. I have about two and a half days left. And then, yeah, I'll have finished nearly three weeks of running, um, about 70, 75 kilometres a day. OK, well, well done. Is that where you wanted to be today? Are you on track? Um, yes, after kind of a revised plan. Um, but I had um, a bit of an injury during my route so uh, we had to kind of just snap back uh, seven or eight kilometres a day to make sure I got here to the end Sorry how many kilometres a day were you aiming for? Um, originally 82 82 kilometres of running so twice a double marathon every day Pretty much yeah As you do As you do <laughs> Is running your sport of choice is, what, is it how you like to exercise is it something that comes very natural to you? Um, it is something that comes naturally to me, and it was always kind of naturally fit. But uh, my, I suppose my preferred first sport, first sports were uh, soccer and hurling. Okay, so um, you've done this before. Obviously, you've done long distance running. Is is this the longest that you've run? Uh, definitely, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us why you decided to run the length of the UK, which is how many kilometers? Do you know? Um, it's about 1,400 kilometres, just shy of 1,400 <laughs> kilometres. Okay, so 1,400 kilometres, you hoped to do it over two weeks, so I get where you're going with the 82 kilometres a day. What was your motivation for this? You you, you kind of had two motivations, am I right? One, one for kind of resilience and mental health, but also someone else that you wanted to run for. Is that right? Yeah, so basically what like why i chose to do this was for myself and to develop my own mental health and mental resilience like you're saying um, and i just saw it as a good opportunity for you know to raise awareness for mental health and funds for mental health and also raise awareness and funds for the join our boys trust in ireland who are currently looking and fighting to find a cure for Duchenne and muscular dystrophy okay and you knew someone in particular who had uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy tell us a little bit about archie yeah, so um, unfortunately, Archie passed away to the disease about, I think it was seven weeks ago at this stage. Um, met him just once, was lucky enough to meet him just once, um, about three months ago. And he was, you know, such a happy, happy young lad, um, you know, given his condition, like he, he had no reason to be that happy, but he was just such a positive, positive lad, such a good... No, just, just had such good energy about him um, and didn't like let his condition, you know, affect him, his mood or anybody's mood around him. He really kind of uplifted everyone. Um, but then, yeah, I suppose in the space of a few weeks after I saw him, 
his condition got a lot worse, which is, you know, it's quite scary and quite frightening. Mm. Um, and I, I only saw him a few weeks ago and he was in such, you know, good spirits. Okay. And running was kind of Archie's sport as well. He was an assisted runner, wasn't he? Yeah. So um, he was, he had taken part in the Dublin Marathon for a good few years. And he was actually planning on being here with me to kind of to see me off at the start and at the finish. So, you know, it's been, been quite challenging for me mm. not having him here with me. And also, you know, the family as well, because, you know, they were really looking forward to this and getting Archie over, you know, to help me out for this, um, which would have been a huge boost. But, yeah, I have extra kind of motivation now to get it done and raise as much money as possible. So, you know, we can try and find that cure. Mm-hmm. And Archie, as you said, he only died a couple of months ago and unexpectedly as well. And he was only 16 and he has two brothers who have the same um, uh, illness as well, don't they? They both have Dutch and muscular dystrophy too. They do, yeah. Um, Isaac and George, uh, they turned 12 um, just a few weeks back. Um, and yeah, they have the same condition. So, you know, it's just so, so important that we do absolutely everything we can to to find a cure or even to just slow down the condition so, you know, they get as much time mm-hmm. as they can. Now, as you said, um, you're raising funds um, for the family and for a cha- the charities that will hopefully find some sort of cure for this. Um, your Instagram is B underscore Branahan and then you have a TikTok called Run Ran Again One. I'll give people that again um, towards the end of our chat. Um, just if people want to um, donate what they can to what you're doing. You spoke about your own um, resilience and mental health. Have you found that you've changed in the past couple of weeks that you've been doing this? Have you found that running 82 kilometres has been a help? Um, absolutely. And like, it's just really kind of opened up to my eyes. Like, you know, like, when it's such a good perspective on life running and ultra running because when it's good and happy everything is you know is it's good um, and you, you don't have reason to complain but it's only when you're feeling bad you know whether you're tired you're sick you don't have the you know the right things around you the right people around you it, it can be really difficult but I suppose it's just knowing that it's just moments in time and they'll pass um, you know I've had I've had my low moments doing this run but I knew they'd just be moments um, and, you know, I can bounce back with them with, you know, the right, right support team around me, um, you know, kind of reaching out to people, whether it's friends and family, um, and just kind of talking. And that's why I do it for mental health. Um, there's such a, a link between, you know, running, getting out in the fresh air, um, knowing that, like, you know, the run is going to be over soon, um, just like bad moments in life. Okay. And... You've run, I presume, in lots of different terrains on this run. Has there been anywhere in particular that's been tough? Um, yeah, the Highlands in Scotland. Oh God! Were, yeah, they were quite, they were quite difficult. But um, but even like there's there, there's been times where like I've had to kind of sit down with a few of the guys on my team and like really look at the terrain and decide, all right, are we gonna do an extra fifteen or twenty kilometers? On flat roads, or are we going to like you know, kind of say bye bye to the sport vehicle and do a bit of a hike through fields and stuff like okay, that? Okay, and have you done um, that? I've uh, done it on a few occasions, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, and was there anywhere um, in particular yeah. that you loved running in? Um, Scotland's Scotland was quite nice. 
Um, and even, to be honest, there was one day where we kind of came into England and um, it was just, there must have been about only seven or eight cars that passed us the whole day. Um, it was like through, through forests and stuff like that. There was a wild sheep, wild cows just roaming, roaming around. It was, it was amazing, something that you, you wouldn't see any, anywhere else. And you're not alone on this run, are you not? No. You have a team uh, behind you. I do. And, you know, if I didn't have my team, I'd probably still be up in Scotland last somewhere. But, um, <laughs> they, um, yeah, no, they've been unreal. I have. I've had three guys with me for the entire three weeks. And then I've had, you know, kind of three other friends who came over and gave me a week of their time as well. But um, it's like having four or five mothers around me. They're just, <laughs> they have me wrapped up and protected in bubble wrap. And they just tell me, Ben, run here. And that's all I have to do. They make it really easy for me. Are you a steady runner or a fast runner? You're probably a fast runner when it comes to what I think is running. But like, how long would it take you to run like the equivalent of a marathon? How long was it taking you to do those two marathons a day, the 82 kilometers? It, um, it really varies depending mm. on terrain. And you know how my day was before, and just just my mood and just general feelings. But um, like if I wasn't, you know, seventeen days in, you know, I could tackle it in a few hours. But like you wow. know, the, it's just it's just a compound um, and a non-stop running every single day. It's uh-huh. getting harder and harder each day. I can but, imagine. Well, you're nearly there, and you're talking to us while walking now. Do you feel you just have to kind of keep moving while you're doing this? Yeah, because, you know, like the minutes do add up and, you know, whether I take a break, mm-hmm. that's planned for 10 minutes, and it turns into 20, you know, that's another one and a half kilometers missed on the road, mm-hmm. um, which affects it with, effectively I miss at night, you know, with proper sleep and proper recovery. Okay. So I have to be quite strict in where and when I'm running. Well, look, we'll let you go and get back to the running because I'm, I'm sure you're walking very fast, though, Ben. Um, if you want to check out Ben's Instagram, that's where you'll find a link to um, the charities that he is trying to raise money for. Um, there are two charities. One is Mental Health UK and the other one is the Join Our Boys Trust. And that was set up by the Nocton family. And Archie, of course, was one of the Nocton family. And he died quite unexpectedly two months ago from uh, Dutch and muscular dystrophy. And they're trying to find a cure. So you can find more details on that on Ben's Instagram. It is B underscore Banahan if you want to check him out on Instagram and then he's also on TikTok and that is run Ranahan one if that makes sense so run Ranahan one and that's what we want you to do now Ben is run off enjoy the rest of this experience and thank you so much for talking to me on the Sunday Grill this morning thanks Orla and if I could just say one more thing of course. That, you know I'm, I'm I'm raising these funds for two very worthy causes but um my employer has, you know, pledged to match every single donation. Wow. So, you That's know, brilliant. whether people can donate one pound, one euro, whatever it is, it um, it will make a difference, you know, potentially save a few lives. God, fair play to you. And best of luck with the next few days. By the time uh, we are hearing you on the Sunday Grill, you'll hopefully be finished on Sunday morning and hopefully injury free as well. I, I, I presume you have a, a favourite dinner decided on on Sunday. What are you going to do when it's all over? Uh, the first thing is I'm going to head to the pub, to the pub with the lads as okay. soon as I'm done and uh, enjoy a few pints. Good stuff. And, well deserved. Yeah. <laughs> well, enjoy that. I hope you get a bag of chips in there as well. Thanks, William, for talking to me, Ben. Nice one. Thanks, Arla. 
The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is Beat 102-103. Time for movies and you know the one we're going to review this week. The two besties, George Clooney and Julia Roberts. I think these were the two that back in the day, um, Julia Roberts said, if you're not married by a certain date, we'll get married. No, that can't be right because she's been married for a no. long time. You're thinking of me and Zendaya. That's what it was. You and Zendaya? Yeah, yeah that's okay. what it was. That's so if was. Zendaya isn't married by 30. Yeah, well, I said it, but I don't think she heard me. Okay, we'll make that. We'll work just hope for, for the you. best. Yeah. yeah, we'll pass Let's it through. Make that work. <laughs> yeah, Let's live and hope. <laughs> you have to dream. Yes, you do, and dream big. You need to dream big. Okay, let's talk about this. It's Ticket to Paradise. It looks really good fun. I like the look of this. Will yeah. we have a listen? Of course. You don't seem too enthused. Here we go. I'm sorry. I think your things are in my seat. Oh, sorry. <gasps> oh come on! You've got to be kidding me. Excuse me, ma'am. I need to sit somewhere else. We used to be married. Worst 19 years of my life. We were only married for five. I'm counting the recovery. In four days' time... Our daughter's going to marry a guy she just met in Bali, millions of miles from home. I just really want to kiss you. It's like I looked up for the first time and realized everything I ever wanted was right in front of me. She's throwing her career away. Just like her mother did. So I'm the only one who can stop her. She doesn't listen to him. Champagne. Oh, two, please. Just leave the bottle. Thank you. I won't let her throw her life away. We need to trick her into dumping him. As much as this will pain us both, we have to call a truce to make this work. There's been a lockstep. Did you make a pact to not murder each other until you murder me first? We are here for you, my love. Yes, we're in lockstep. Yes. There you go. That is Ticket to Paradise starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts. It's a long time since we've seen these two in anything. Are they, they are in things together. They They're were ma- and they were married before in another movie in the Oceans franchise. Oh, they were. Because Julia Roberts went on to play Julia Roberts in the in the third one. Remember that? Yes. Yes. And they were I like, do. well, you look an awful lot like Julia Roberts. She's like, I know it's crazy. <laughs> you gotta love that. Okay, where are we with this? This looks like such a mid noughties movie and I am totally here for this. So was I. You were about 10, were you? Well, well in, yeah, mid noughties I would okay. have been about 9 or 10. Yeah. That's but, all right, we'll um, move on from that. So it's it's George Clooney and Ju- I feel like the biggest draw is literally it's George Clooney and Julia Roberts in a rom-com. Like, yeah, if, for most people, that is enough to go see it. Yeah. And for me, that was enough to be, for me to get excited about it. Also, uh, Old Parker, I believe, I'm not sure, Old uh, all. Old Parker, so wrote and directed, also did Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Okay. So it is definitely the same kind of vibe as that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and it's like, it's the same production company and everything is Mamma Mia and like all the Notting and Hills and all an the rom-com ones. Like, so it's, it's very much the setting of this. It's very much an incredible, like, take every box for a classic rom-com essentially. Okay. And you like a classic rom-com. I love a classic rom-com. Like Notting Hill is like my second most favourite movie of all time. Really? Yeah, What's yeah. What's your favourite movie of all time? Shrek 2. Uh, we've, been, oh, okay. we've been over yeah, this. Yeah, no, one. we probably remember. have. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so it's it's Julia Roberts and George Clooney are divorced. Okay. And basically their daughter played by Caitlin Deaver, Dever, okay. is is getting married and they're brought to the island of Bali where she meets this this handsome hunk of a man right and uh, it's them coming to terms with and like trying to well they try and stop her from getting married because they don't want her to make the same mistake that they made themselves okay you I know, see Carrie Fisher's daughter Billy Lord is Billy Lord is in it as well she's she's uh, Caitlin Deaver's friend in it okay she's very funny everything she has been in I have always thought she's fantastic yeah. she was in Booksmart and Scream Queen yeah, yeah everything she's been in I've always Really enjoyed her. She's just been a load of fun. Do you know, mm-hmm. she's someone that's so natural in front of the camera. Yeah, and like, like honestly, her mom and her granny. 
Yeah. yeah. The whole the whole fam sure she grew up with it. Mm-hmm. But it it is it's it's the cla- it's the most classic setting to rom com ever. But right. I do feel like we've seen it countless times. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It is like if it came out in the mid two thousands, this could have been like the biggest movie of two thousand and three. Do you know what I mean? Okay. But I just feel like now you can you could have done more with it, you know? Because I don't feel like they've appreciated the fact that it's George Clooney and Julia Roberts and right. you know, they're not doing as much it it feel like if, if it wasn't the two of them and if it was another two stars in it, it would be like a Netflix movie that we say is okay, if okay. that makes sense, you know? Okay. So it's it's But has it other other things going for it? Like the location looks amazing. Like I'm I'm there for a nice sunny movie at this yeah, time of the year. It is it is it has a classic little bit of comedy. It has okay. the it has the like the genuine you do feel the genuine chemistry between mm. George Clooney and Julia Roberts because realistically they've probably known each other for like yeah. 25, 30 years at this huh. stage. So like there is that kind of natural like chemistry there, like, you know. And also it is George Clooney and Julia Roberts. They do Put in a good shift as well, like you know. But part of me does feel put like in a good shift. Yeah, as in they kiss. Well, yeah, I was saying in terms of in terms of acting, but I don't want to spoil anything either. Like, oh, know. I'm sure they no. get back together what? or something, do what? they? All the clangers. You, you saying it's kind of predictable? <laughs> who thought? Who would have thought? But uh, it is. It's it's just one of those things where again you can kind of tell what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Okay. You're waiting for the moment to happen. And so, is that not sometimes just what you want? It is, but know? like. I don't no, part of me just want I feel like because we've seen things you always want to see that little bit more do you want you want to know what their yeah. spin is okay. like it does feel like it doesn't tread any new water if that and makes do sense. we only see them where this wedding is taking place do we know their backstory or their flashbacks do yeah. we they have they tell they they tell stories of when okay. they were like together and stuff but there's like there's a like 95% of the movie is set, in, is set in Bali okay which is and the other side of the story is they're trying to break up the their wedding daughter, their daughter's the wedding, wedding. Yeah. yeah and why is that because she's obviously just met this she's person. met the lad I think she's known him for like a couple of weeks and okay. they're going to get married and they're like what are you doing okay yeah, crazy word and what they then realised that they were crazy kids once back in the day yeah and they're yeah. talking about all their crazy mistakes and there's the classic like oh well, we 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 made the same mistakes, and we're happy we did kind of a th- situation. And it's it's it is it's 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 a by the book rom com, but I, I like it just doesn't have its his own thing that's going to be memorable from it. You know what I mean? Apart from it being George Clooney, apart, and Julia apart Roberts. from being George Clooney and Julia Roberts, I feel like that is like eighty percent of the draw for everybody. You know, and uh, it was for me as well. To be fair, maybe I'm being a little bit controversial in saying oh. this. But isn't George Clooney just George Clooney in every movie he's in? He is. He is okay, a bit. Good. Like he's been in some amazing movies, you know, Oscar nominated movies. Am I right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> presumably. Yeah. But he's George Clooney. He is. He's suave, you know. He's even cool. when he's a bit sad, and you know, he's yeah. George Clooney. But I think I think it's why like movies with like Hugh Grant, let's say, worked a yes. lot better than yeah. George Clooney because George Clooney, you know, he's gonna get the girl. Yeah. Regardless, you know, if he doesn't get. Julia Roberts, he'll get somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it's George Clooney, do you know. Yeah. Whereas Hugh Grant, you know, he's gonna make a fool of himself. Yeah, and true. that's the kind of the English humor. Of, I feel like it leans in towards kind of the American, mm. American kind of story more than it does like the English humor that I love. And what about the myself. younger crew? Are they so, well, like Caitlin Dever, Billy Lord, like forever and always fantastic and things. Both of them were in Booksmart together. Oh, okay. So it is one of those things where it's like they have that kind of chemistry as well. Mm. Uh, Billy Lord is just. You, at some stage you're worried she's going to go off with George Clooney but she doesn't in case that's okay. a worry it's like a bit of an age gap between them but um, yeah so like it is just they're kind of the fun they're kind of the light they're kind of the modernness of it all 
but it is definitely leaning on the Julia Roberts, George Clooney bit element okay. of it. Okay. And As usual, I'm going to say I'm going to go and see this, but I was... You I promised said, me. Yeah, every you promised week, me you go see this one. I have yet to go to the cinema. It's not terrible. I'm trying to think of the last movie I've seen in the cinema. I think it was um, In the Heights. Oh my God. Yeah, I do think that was the last movie I saw. No, I tell a lie. Downton Abbey. <laughs> I didn't see that. What have I become? <laughs> yeah. Downton Abbey and In the Heights is... Uh, Definitely yeah. a, an interesting double bill. Yeah, I'm kind of hitting a theme there, am I? Okay, let's Black Pudding. Ticket to Paradise. As much as I was downing it, I'd still give it like a 7 out of 10 because it is yeah. it is a Julia Roberts, George Clooney rom-com. Do you mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, you can talk bad about it all you want, but at the same time, yeah. if it's on Stalwarts. Netflix, you'd happily throw it on. Do you know? Yeah. Tell me this, what are you looking forward to seeing over the next few weeks? Have we any big ones coming out or do we have to wait? None that comes to the top okay. of my head right now, but there definitely, there's definitely going to be something that pops up yeah. the next couple of weeks. That's that I'm going to be like, Venice and... Yeah, well, yeah. sure, I've seen all them, like, you know. Yeah, but that's good. <laughs> that's great for oh, me. I've seen them already. For yeah. all of us, you yeah. know. Okay, so seven black puddings out of ten for a ticket to paradise. George Clooney and Julia Roberts star. Thank you so much, Brian. No bother at all. Now get out of here. But isn't is not your tenth birthday? Oh yeah, it is my tenth birthday. It's your tenth birthday on the grill. Yeah. And you can't see it's this. The first time I've said that on air. But I, I've gotten you lots of presents. You oh, can't, show you, me. Uh, just imagine. Let me look. Just imagine oh, the wow. kind of, uh, just, candles just, and everything. <laughs> just be like, oh, just start saying all the things you wish I got, and then imagine okay. they're here because nobody oh, can see. Oh my gosh, you got me a Mercedes. Well, yeah, oh yeah, Thank oh. You. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> on a movie critic salary. <laughs> the Sunday Grill on Beat One Hundred Two One Hundred Three.